Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 3 about the character and convictions of Cain and Abel. And Tom Cantor will show us how the scriptures tell us much more than what we just read over in our normal Bible reading. Now, we've been offering this past month with Tom Cantor in the Friendship with God radio program a wonderful DVD tour of his Creation Museum that he owns and operates, the Creation and Earth History Museum. And again, the DVD covers the six days of creation and the seventh when God rested, and it features leading scientists as well as Tom Cantor speaking on this wonderful instructional DVD. You'll enjoy it. And we'll also include as a bonus this month, again for this last week of this offer, the Ice Age and Flood book that asks the question, does science really show millions of years? So we'll include that book and the DVD, all for a donation of $20 or more. We'll send you these resources, and it is the last week to take advantage of getting these two resources. So again, for a donation of $20 or more, call us right now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Or to support this Bible teaching radio program, go online to friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on the Friendship with God radio program, teaching us from Genesis 3 about the character and convictions of Cain and Abel. And Tom Cantor will show us how that the Scriptures, the Word of God, tell us much more than what we just read over in our normal Bible reading. Well, okay, it might have been easier for Abel, sure it was, to bring a blood sacrifice. But it all has to do with what God wants. And so Cain says, look, I'll bring to God what I have. Just like Abel, he'll bring to God what he has. Each person will bring to God what he has. Abel's a keeper of sheep, so let him bring sheep. I'm a farmer, so let me bring fruit to God. And, and, and Cain says, God, he should be happy with whatever he gets. From Abel, he gets the sheep. From me, he gets the fruit. That's the way I see it. God needs to be tolerant and uh, just accept any offering as long as it's brought. And Cain thought, I don't care what God wants. It's just a lot easier for Abel to go ahead and bring to God what he wants. It's a lot harder for me. And since religion is all man-made up anyways, it really doesn't matter. And my religion, Cain speaking, is just as good as his religion because this is my reality, that's his reality, and there's no absolute standards, so that's Cain. Cain didn't care what God wanted because he only cared about what he wanted to bring to God. So Cain, he probably didn't want to barter with Abel for an animal sacrifice. And so, you know, he just said, who cares? I want to bring to God what I want to bring. That's a picture of religion today. That's a picture of, you know, Cheryl and I visited uh, some homes of our customers in Japan. Inevitably, in the corner of their dining room is this God shelf. And they'll have uh, the uh, idol and so forth and fruit and everything. And, of course, you know, being the irritating guests that we were, we would always say, why do you do that? And we would explain to them, that's not what God wants. He wants the Lord Jesus Christ. And their response would always be, but we are Japanese, and this is what we do. And so you're Western, that's what you do. But God is absolute on what he wants. He says clearly in Leviticus 17, 11, the life of the flesh is in the blood, I gave it to you on the altar to make an atonement for your souls. He said, it's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. And again, in John 3, 14 through 15, he says, the Lord Jesus Christ says, look, just like Moses, he lifted up the serpent in the wilderness 
he said, I have to be lifted up so that whoever believes in me, in him, should not perish but have eternal life. That's what he meant in John 14, 6 when he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so maybe a person finds himself raised in a Christian home, and that person has has gone to church since he was born, and that person has always learned about the Lord Jesus Christ. That person has come to understand at an early age that God requires him to make the Lord Jesus Christ his offering for sin. As it says in Isaiah 53, 10, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. And so that person is like Abel. And just as sheep were very familiar and at hand for Abel, so that person who's grown up in the church in a Christian family, the Lord Jesus Christ is very familiar at hand for that person. So it's not hard. It's not difficult for him to make the soul of the Lord Jesus Christ his offering for sin. He understands what it means. He's been taught it since he was little. He understands that that was what God requires, and he readily does it. But the reason he makes the Lord Jesus Christ his personal offering for sin is not because he was raised in a Christian home, in church, and therefore very familiar with the Lord Jesus Christ. He accepts the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Savior because he knows that's what God wants, and that's the issue. And it may be convenient for him, but that's not the point. On the other hand, maybe there's a person like me who was not raised in a Christian home. And maybe that person was like me, raised in a Jewish home, where the name of Jesus was not allowed to be spoken. And maybe that Jewish person, like me, never went to church and never learned about the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe that Jewish person comes to understand, like me, that God requires him to make the Lord Jesus Christ his offering for sin because, like me, that person may come to understand the truth of Isaiah 53.10. When thou shalt make his soul, not any soul, but his soul an offering for sin. Now, like me, that Jewish person finds himself like Cain in the sense that it was not, Cain was not familiar with sheep. Cain didn't have sheep. And so Cain, it was, it was not as convenient for Cain to make that offering. So it was foreign to me and us Jewish people about the Lord Jesus Christ. But I came to understand that that's what God wanted. So I decided to become familiar with the Bible and the Lord Jesus Christ. And because I knew that's what God wants. The reason a person needs to make the Lord Jesus Christ their offering for sin is not because he was raised in a Christian home or he's very familiar, he's gone to church all of his life and he's listened to Billy Graham and he's, he's got all the Christian stations programmed into his car radio. He does it because that's what God wants him to do. That's the issue. Now, verse four and five, three and four. Why did Abel offer to God the sheep? Because Abel believed God's sacrifice. Abel had faith, as it says. Why did Cain not offer to God his sheep? Because Cain did not believe that requirement. You know, Abel saw his sin, and he said, my sin is so serious that it demands death, the death of a soul, a living, the death of a living animal, the death of a living animal. He saw that. Cain did. I mean, Abel did. 
But Cain said, no, it's not so bad. It's not as bad. Cain says, you know, all right, you know, God wants something, I'll, I'll tip God. I'll fling him a tip. Good sermon, uh, tip God. Good music, tip God. And that's why it says in Hebrews that Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. He offered a more excellent sacrifice. Cain was the proud one. You know, there's a very, very interesting word. I want you to look at it in verse 4, Genesis 4. You know, and I want you to see the one word that's there about Abel, because it gives us a clue about him. In verse 4, well, let me just kind of lead up to it. Who was the first one who brought the sacrifice? Cain, right. And so therefore Abel was second, right? Who was the firstborn? Cain. And so Abel was secondborn. So the little word that's important there is the word also. You see that? In verse 4, and Abel, he also brought an offering. We'll continue with our dynamic Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on the Friendship with God radio program in just a moment. We want to offer you an opportunity to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse that will help start out your morning every morning. It'll come right to your cell phone or to your email account. You can sign up online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. And if you're enjoying this Bible teaching radio program, we'd like to encourage you to support it monthly or with a one-time donation by going online to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Sign up online and donate, or call us now or after the program with your support at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Now here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on the Friendship with God radio program, continuing our study from Genesis chapter 22 on how God kept Abraham dependent upon communicating with him for future instructions. Do you know some also siblings in a family? You know the ones. They're always in the shadow of the, of the first ones. But, they're, but the also ones are, well, they're just also. They, they kind of like, well, he did it, so I'm going to do it. Well, that was Abel. But what's remarkable about Abel is that he took a step out. He took a step out. He was humble. Abel was humble. Cain was proud. God hates pride. But Abel was humble. And what was it that made it so... so what Abel saw, look, when I bring the sacrifice, it's going to be messy. There's going to be blood involved here. And because, like we said, Cain knew. He says, All right, my sins are bad. They're really bad. And my guilt and my shame is so... And my sins are so horrible that all this blood and mess and everything... Yeah, that kind of at least matches. But Cain, he says, ah, you know, I'm not so bad. I'm not as good as others. I'm not as bad as some, but, you know, that's not so bad. But Cain, he didn't believe what Abel believed in Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. Or Ezekiel 18.20, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Because Abel offered to God the more excellent sacrifice. And it says in Hebrews that Abel was made righteous by his sacrifice. Abel dies 6,000 years ago. We're reading about something that happened 6,000 years ago. And it's literally, since we're talking about him, we're seeing all these things, it's literally as if Abel comes into this chapel this morning 
and he sits down and he could speak to us. I could get out of the way, he could stand up here, and Abel would speak to us because he's still speaking to us in this sacrifice of what he did. And you know what he would say? He would stand up here with all we know now, and he would say, folks, Abel speaking, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he would say. That's what I did. As much as I knew at the time, and God was leading us along, and he said it's going to be a blood sacrifice, I did that. And that's why it says in Hebrews 11:4, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. I mean, he's just that alive this morning to us. He's speaking to us. So what kind of a person was Cain in contrast with Abel? Well, Cain was a man with a hot temper. And Cain saw that God did not have respect for his offering. And you know what happened? His nostrils spread apart in rage. He was enraged that God would not accept his offering. His head hung down in rage. He just, just thought about it, and the rage got more and more. And so what does God do with a person like that? Well, look at verse 6. So gently, God speaks to Cain. And he, because why? Because God loves Cain. Because Cain is part of the world that's referred to in John 3.16. For God so loved the world, including Cain, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, including Cain, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Cain is part of the any that is referred to in 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any, including Cain, should perish, but that all, including Cain, should come to repentance. Cain's part of this big all that's spoken about in 1 Timothy 2.4, God who will have all men to be saved. So in verse 4, we find God trying to work with Cain. And he gently asks Cain, he says, Cain, look at yourself, Cain. So God might say to me, look at yourself, you're sweating. But anyway, he didn't say that. He said, Cain, look at yourself. Just look at yourself. Your nostrils are flared open. You're so angry. He says, why are you that angry? And why are you falling down? He says to Cain, why are you rough? Why are you so angry? Cain, there's no reason for you to be as angry as you are. Your sin is not incurable. There's good news. I'm correcting you, Cain. Listen to me. It's God speaking. And he says, I corrected your parents, Adam and Eve. You know, they're moving along. I'm in, I'm in the correcting business. Sign up, Cain. See? And why do you have that anger? Second, Cain, there's a remedy if you'll take it. But if you refuse it, Cain, there'll be no remedy. He, Proverbs 29.1, he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be cut off, and that without remedy. So God was lovingly encouraging Cain, take the remedy. Cain, just start with the words, I'm wrong, I was wrong, I'm sorry, I'd like to apologize. God says, all that'll do, it'll all work. Why is your countenance fallen? He says, Cain, with me as your father, there's no reason for you to be so depressed. And then he says in verse seven, look, Cain, 
It's just a, it's not a matter of you. It's just a matter of what you do. He said, if thou doest well, thou shalt thou not be accepted. Got no prejudice against you, Cain. It's nothing personal. It's a matter of your, of what you're doing because of your heart. And so Cain is, God is really speaking to Cain in a kind of a special counseling session here. It's wonderful. And he says, look, he can be 100% accepted. And God doesn't mention the name of Abel. Isn't that wonderful? When he turns out, when he wants to counsel some, God doesn't say to Cain, why can't you be like your good brother Abel? <laughs> he doesn't do that. He says, why do you have to be the bad one? He doesn't do that. God just says to him, I'll help you through this, Cain. I'll help you. This is not about Abel and you. This is about you and me. And I'll guide you through this. And then he says, if thou doest not well, he said, sin lies at the door. God says to Cain, Cain, you better take a stand. You better take a stand right now against you, the temptation inside of you because you're on the brink of a terrible sin. Remember what he said to Peter? Peter, you don't know this, but Satan has desired your soul that he may sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith fell not. This is the same God. And he's saying to Cain, Cain, there, there's a big sin that's right on your door. You gotta take your stand, Cain. Take your stand, against that anger inside of you. And then it says, because if you don't, he says, unto thee shall be his desire. If you don't do it, Cain, he says, you'll be the prisoner of the sin. Just like it says in Romans 6.16, know you not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. And then God told Cain, some advice. He said, Cain, thou shalt rule over him, the old man. Him. Rule over that anger, Cain. Take control. Get a grip. Take your stand. Rule over your passions. Control yourself. Don't let your temper flare out of hand. Don't become a slave. Now, God did not have to do this for Cain, but he did. And it shows us the nature of God, how good he is. And how much he tries to lead every sinner to repentance in such patience. Because he didn't want to see Cain's fall. But verse 8, tragically, Cain makes another decision. And Cain says, God warning me about my anger. Ha! That's Cain's attitude. And so in verse 8, you see what Cain does? He becomes the crafty one, the subtle one of the serpent in in chapter 3. And he talks with Abel. Come on, Abel, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's have a walk, Abel. See what it says there? It says he talked with him, verse 8, and it came to pass when they were in the field. So let's just kind of have a little, let's, let's, let, come on, Powell, buddy. Let's talk. Let's walk. Let's go out into the field. And he's got the murder planned in his mind. And Abel doesn't know. He thinks maybe there's a change in Cain. He's talking to me now. Maybe we're going to get along well. And he gets out there. And, and what he does, it says there in verse 8, it says, it came to pass that we were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother. And the rose up was the attack against his brother. And there was a struggle. And probably with each hit that Cain gave on Abel, there was a new wound. There was a new drop of blood or bloods all over the ground. It was a bloody area. And when God came later on to Cain, he said, Cain, the voice of your brother's blood's is crying unto me. Each one of those spots is like a cacophony of sound. It's all the voice of your brother's blood. I can't get it out of my my ears. I hear it crying unto me. What did you do, Cain? That's what happened. That was Cain. 
Again, verse 9, how good God is. After this murder, he still tries to bring Cain to repentance. He's still willing to say to Cain, Cain, I'll accept you. I'll forgive you. There's forgiveness with God that he could be feared. Such the gentleness on God's part to not just ask about Abel. It's interesting. How many times was Abel referred to as his brother? Verse 8, Cain talked with Abel, his brother. Verse 8, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother. Verse 9, where is Abel, thy brother? Verse 9, again, he says, my brother's keeper. Verse 10, the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me. And verse 11, the ground has opened its mouth to receive thy brother's blood. Why did God keep saying, thy brother, thy brother, thy brother, thy brother? He's trying to bring out a Cain. Repentance, look what you did, Cain. You killed your brother. You didn't just kill Abel. You killed Abel, your brother. And because he, and, and so he's, he's, he's drawing him out and he says, now Cain, I'm gonna do the same thing I did with, it, with your parents, Adam and Eve. I'm gonna ask you what you did. I'm gonna ask you if you're gonna start off. And so we, we went gently in, Je- in Genesis chapter three and said, why are we afraid? And, and uh, why'd you hide yourself? And so now I'm just going to ask you, where's Abel? Where's Abel? Did God not know where Abel was? Of course God knew where Abel was. His blood's crying out to him. He sees his dead body. And he goes to Cain and says, Cain, where is he? And Cain lies. And he says, I don't know. You don't know? You just killed him. You don't know? You watched him scream out and cry out to God and grab a hold of you and say, no, Cain, no, don't do this thing. And you're going to say you don't know? You're going to say that to God? That's what he did. He said, I don't know. Now Cain has aligned himself with the two characteristics of Satan, lying and murder. He was a liar from the beginning, and he was a murderer. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. And Cain has said, I'm going over to his side. And that's what Cain did. And so he lies boldly. He said, I don't know where he is. And then he he rebuffs God. He says, what am I? Am I supposed to take care of him now? That my new job title? Oh, Cain, you should have stopped with the first thing. Don't go any further. Tragically, it says here, tragically, the scripture says in verse 16, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. It doesn't say God went out from Cain's presence. It says Cain went out from God's presence. And that's a world of difference. That's a decision. That's a decision that Cain made. And because he made that decision, God said to him what he'd never said to Adam. He never said it to Eve. He said, Cain, you are cursed. You are cursed from the ground. You are cursed. Because there is a wideness in God's mercy, as the hymn says, but there's also a limit. There is a wideness, but there is a limit. And Psalm 95 says this, we are his people, sheep of his pasture, He says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. As in the provocation, referring to the wilderness, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. And that's the lesson that we get from looking at Cain. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to have the heart of Adam and Eve, a tender heart to God, a heart that says, yes, Lord, I was wrong and I come to you for the remedy of my sin, and not the heart of Cain that said, who needs God? Lord, and help us as we work with those who are saying, who needs God? So that they can change, 
Lord, and, and go from the, the Cain side over to the Adam and Eve side. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us this morning in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Another convicting message on the Friendship with God radio program as Tom Cantor was encouraging us not to be like Cain and be cursed and be done with God. And may we never be like that, but more like Abel and giving the proper and right and correct sacrifice that God has outlined in his word. And continue to follow his commandments all in our relationship and friendship with God that we have. Now, we hope you enjoy our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, and the Old Testament teaching that he brings to us every single day, Monday through Friday. And we want to encourage you to support this Bible teaching radio program, Friendship with God. And you can do so by calling us with a donation of any amount. And you can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. But if you'd like to donate and support this Bible teaching radio program, you can do so by going online to friendshipwithgod.org or calling us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. And this is the last week of our resources that we're offering as part of our resource package of the month, Tom Cantor's DVD teaching on the six days of creation and the book on the Ice Age. You'll get both of those for a donation of $20 or more. So again, call us at 800-247-3051. Now, you may or may not know that Tom Cantor is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, a Jewish evangelism outreach ministry. And Tom Cantor is a Jewish Christian and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is always offering his life story and testimony free to lost Jewish people. If you have a lost Jewish friend, sign up for that free gift at friendshipwithgod.org. Just go online. If you have a lost Jewish friend, go to friendshipwithgod.org. Or you can call us at 800-247-3051. 